Amen. Thank you, Brother Frank. And so we are looking at Acts chapter 16 this morning, and we'll, we'll be here for the sermon, uh, and looking forward to introducing our theme, and it's an exciting year ahead to be sure. So we're looking here at one of Paul's missionary journeys. The Apostle Paul's mission was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to see churches born for the glory of God. And that's what we see. Paul went around, verse 4, and to deliver to the decrees, he preached the gospels. And verse 5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Boy, that's good to know, isn't it, church? I'm going to tell you, church still matters. Now, as we look at Acts 16, we're going to be really focusing in on Paul's work and the founding of the church there at Philippi. Now, to understand some things about the city of Philippi, Philippi was a spiritually cold city. There was no church there. There was not even enough uh, Jewish people there for there to be an established synagogue. As we look at the passage this morning, what we're going to find that in this city, there was really a very strong element of demonic influence. And yet, as difficult as this place was, and as difficult as the situation may have been, what we're going to find is as Paul goes and preaches the gospel, that God was working miracles. That people were getting saved and praise God, a church was born for the glory of God. So as we consider this morning Paul's ministry and missionary effort, it really serves as an example for you and I about what we can't afford to forget. Now church, preach with me this morning. The gospel still works, amen? amen. It is still the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes it. The gospel still works, amen? Jesus still saves, amen? The Bible is still true. God is still greater. Souls are still worth seeking and winning. Church still matters. And this morning from this passage, I want to look at three reasons why. So join me. Let's go to Philippi with Paul. Jump down to verse 12 of chapter 16. The Bible says, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief or capital city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. So church this morning, church still matters, amen? Why does it matter? What do we see? Number one, we find that church still matters because it's a place to find help. It is a place to find help. We're introduced here, like I said, to Lydia. She's described as one who worshipped God. Now, I want us to understand what that means. In the book of Acts, when we find one who worshipped God, sometimes it's referred to as a God-fearer. What it was referring to is somebody who was not a Jewish person 
who had turned to worship the God of Judaism. And so we find here with Lydia that she was someone who was close to the full truth and salvation. But like Grandma used to say, close only counts in horseshoes, hand grenades, and once you're married, slow dancing. Amen? <laughs> she was close. But close don't cut it. God was at work in her heart. She was responding to the drawing grace of the Spirit. Lydia, she desired God. She desired truth. She desired her salvation. But in spite of her desire, all Lydia had found was inadequate, inconsistent, and incomplete. Lydia's heart was open. But Lydia needed help. I'm going to tell you, the church ought to be a place where people can go and find help. Church, God's still at work in people's hearts. Amen. God is still drawing people. Had a couple of conversations with ladies over the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to tell you, it is so evident that God is still at work. But people need help. I love the verses Jesus said in John 12 and verse 32. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth. And by the way, he was lifted up on a cross. Amen. If I be lifted up from the earth, he said, I will draw all men to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 6 speaks about how God, he shines the light out of darkness and shines the light of Jesus into our hearts. God is still at work. But people need help to come to know the grace of God in salvation. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a difference between knowing there is a God and truly knowing Him through Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, there is a difference between feeling the convicting and drawing work of the Spirit of God and responding to the drawing and convicting work and receiving Jesus as your Savior. There's a difference. People need help. Church still matters, amen? So many are out there looking for help. And I'm convinced that as the world drifts deeper and deeper into spiritual darkness, as we continue to circle the drain, there are going to be many who are stirred to seek the truth. You see, they will have tried it all and found it empty. They will know that there really is no purpose, no pleasure, no future, no hope in the things of this life. That sin promises you the world, but it leaves you empty. I'm convinced that as the world drifts deeper into spiritual darkness, there will be more and more people who respond to the stirring of God in their heart. And these will be people who are looking for help. But being drawn, being open, having access to some light is not the same as having received the light of Christ in salvation. And the Bible is clear. How shall they hear without a preacher? The church ought to be a place where people can find help. I'm going to tell you too, it's not just people who don't know Christ. 
We all need help from time to time. Amen? Church is meant to be a place where all people can find help. We all need help, don't we, to grow in grace, to see, to learn, to help, to be built up, to help mature, to help to be strengthened when we're weak, help to get up and help to stay up and help to keep up and help to keep going. I don't know about you, but I couldn't imagine doing this life alone. I've watched as this church, I kind of have a unique opportunity as pastor to to watch as this church ministers to one another and to see the difficulties that have taken place in people's lives and the needs that have occurred in people's families and to watch this church body step up to the plate time and time and time again to love people over and over and over again. It is a beautiful thing. Church matters, amen? Amen. Because it's a place to find help. We all need help sometimes. So God gave the church. Galatians 6 and verse number 1 reminds us of the church. That that we which are spiritual, we we ought to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering ourselves, lest thou also be tempted. So when others fall around us, what, what are we here to do? We're here to help them back up. Later in Galatians 6, it tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15, Paul writes, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. How many of us are unruly sometimes? Mm-hmm. Only some of you will admit to it. Go home, ask your spouse. I'll tell you. Warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient to all men. Verse 15, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow after that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. I'm going to tell you, this is why church still matters. I want you to testify with me this morning. If you're here and you know the Lord, you know it's true. We have found help and his name is Jesus. Hebrews 13, 6 reminds us of that glorious truth. The Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now, church, I think we have to be careful. How many of us recognize it's easy to become a little bit disenchanted because there are scoffers out there. It is easy to become disenchanted because there are those who will want to take advantage. And sometimes we look at the scoffers that are out there and we look at the ones who maybe want to take advantage or we look at the ones who, who they just won't respond, right? And boy, isn't it easy to become one of those old crusty Christians? Church, we can't afford to do that. We can't afford to do that. The church must be a place where people can find the help that is Jesus. Church still matters, amen? So we see Lydia. And Lydia found that the gospel and the church was a place to find help. I want to introduce you to somebody else in in the city of Philippi this morning. We find her beginning in verse number 16. And it came to pass that as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination, she was demon-possessed, 
met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. This she did many days. But Paul, being grieved and turned and said unto the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Next, we're introduced to a demon-possessed slave girl. Now this poor soul suffers really a threefold slavery. She is slave to sin. She is slave to sinners. And she is slave to Satan. You read about her case. She has no name mentioned. She had no name. She had no freedom. She had no future. To her so-called masters, she herself really had no value. They were content to use and abuse her. This poor girl, she had no hope. But you know, that's why church still matters. Because not only should church be a place to find help, church ought to be a place to find hope. You know, living without hope is a distressing and depressing existence. Sometimes, worse yet, is living with hope in the things that cannot satisfy or perpetually disappoint. Proverbs 13.12 puts it this way, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. In a slight earthly physical sense, if you're a Browns fan, you know this to be true. (laughs) Every year you live on hope. I want to read you a text that I had with one of my friends who is a Browns fan. He sent me this text about 20 minutes before the game started last week. He said, quote, I've been pretty excited for this game. I mean, this team has one of the best defenses, or this team is one of the best that I've ever seen at being successful. I don't want to say that they could go all the way, but seriously, it's possible. This defense and Joe Flacco, the offense, who knows? Can I tell you, that text screams hope. (laughs) The Browns went on to lose that game 45 to 14. (laughs) Living without hope is a distressing and depressing existence. Living with hope in things that perpetually disappoint, I don't know, could be worse. You know, when you consider the case of this world, isn't it true, church, that this world has nothing really to put their hope in? You know, Paul reminds us of the state of this world and the state of the lost in Ephesians 12, 2 and verse number 12. He said, in that, at that time, ye were without Christ, being aliens or foreigners from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise. Look at those next three words. What? And having no hope. And without God in this world. Just think about it. If you were a lost person this morning, in what would you put your hope? Would you put it in the upcoming election? 
I love you, but if your hope is in Joe Biden, if your hope is in Donald Trump, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Where's the world going to put their hope? Maybe, maybe I'm going to put it in my physical prowess. I'm a strong person and I can do anything I set my mind to until I get sick. Until the doctor says you have cancer. Until the doctor says there's something going on with your heart and we just don't know what to do. If I'm a lost person this morning, where am I going to put my hope? Maybe I'll put it in my money. You know what? If I work real hard and save and invest real well, maybe I'll put it in my money and I'll have a good big rainy day fund and a wonderful 401k and I'll work those stocks and boy, I can put some hope in my money, can't I? Tell the stock market goes south. Or, you know, the strange thing about death is no matter how much I accumulate, I leave it all behind. I've done a lot of funerals, but I, I, we've never found a way to send it with them. Every last cent stays right here. So if I'm looking for hope, I, I really can't put it in my money. I really can't put it in my health. I, I really can't put it in the government. Please don't put it in the government. <laughs> I know, I'll put it in relationships. I'll put it in people. Boy, how many of you have been sorely let down by somebody you loved and trusted? See, that's the funny thing about people. I can somewhat control me, but I can't do a thing to control you. So if I'm lost, where where am I going to put my hope? What am I going to do? What is the meaning of this life? Is there any hope? Is there any hope? I'm going to tell you, outside of Jesus, there is no hope. There is no hope. But that's why the church still matters. Because it ought to be a place where people can find hope. Living for this world is like being dying of thirst, but trying to drink out of a cup that has no bottom. So many are looking for hope. This is why church still matters. Because we have found hope, amen? His name is Jesus. Colossians 1 and verse 27 reminds us of this. Whom, uh, the God, who, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his, the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ In you, the hope of glory. Romans 15 in verse number 13, the Bible says, Now the God of hope. What is it, church? He is the God of what? He's the God of what? Hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you, no matter what goes on around us, what do we find in Titus chapter 2? That what? Jesus is our blessed hope. And I'm looking for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have found hope. His name is Jesus.
Isn't it good to know that with Jesus there is always hope? And I'm so glad we serve a God who specializes in hard cases. And the church can truly be like a hospital for those who are in need of help and hope. You know, the beautiful thing is there is no sin or no sinner too far gone that Jesus cannot save. Boy, it's an ugly world out there and sin is wreaking havoc. But there is no sinner, sinner so far gone that the grace of God is not greater. That Jesus cannot save. I think it's good for us to remember sometimes. Sometimes it's easy for us to look down our sanctified noses and push up our sanctified bifocals and say, Well, there's no hope for this world, and all you wicked people, and stay away from me, stay away from us. I don't want. Sometimes it's good for us to remember that such were some of you. Uh huh. You remember Romans chapter 6? Paul reminds us at that beginning of verse number 9. He reminds us the seriousness of sin as we look at this 1 Corinthians 6 beginning in verse number 9. And he said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Oh, sin is serious. Amen. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, sin separates us from God forever. Amen? And such were some of you. Such were some of you. Drunkards and adulterers, addicted to all forms of perversion and immorality. Such were some of you. Liars, Thieves, boasters, such were some of you. But with Jesus, there's always hope. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. I'm so glad we serve a God who specializes in hard cases. That no matter the sin, no matter the sinner, Jesus can save. I'm so glad that we serve a God who specializes in hard cases and that no matter the brokenness, Jesus can make it beautiful again. Aren't you glad for that? Man, even after I got saved, I still messed stuff up. But the great, glorious thing about God's grace is that no matter the brokenness, Jesus can make it beautiful again. Testify this morning, with Jesus there is always hope. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, church must be a place for people to find hope. That's why church still matters. So we have Lydia. And praise God, she found help. Amen? We have this demon-possessed girl. Praise God, she found hope. I want you to see one more person we meet. Drop down to verse 27. Now, I know, we're skipping in the story. I'll get you caught up. Don't worry. And the keeper of the prison. You say, boy, how did we get here? We'll get there, Okay. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, 
seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. Boy, that sounds like somebody that needs help and hope. Amen? Supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31. And they said, what is it, church? Believe. By the way, this morning, if you're not a Christian, if you don't know for sure that your sins are forgiven, if you don't know for sure that you got a home in heaven, the, the wonderful gift of God is this. You don't have to work your way. You can't work your way to heaven. It's not about being in the church. It's not about being baptized. It's about what? Putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who He is. He's the Son of God. Amen. And what he's done, he died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. Salvation really is a free gift that you simply receive by faith. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the words of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them that same night, hour of the night, and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straightway. So finally this morning we're introduced to the Philippian jailer. A little background here. How did we get here? How did Paul and Silas end up in jail? Well, you remember the uh, girl who was demon-possessed. Believe it or not, her masters did not appreciate the fact that their source of income was now compromised. You remember, her, her soothsaying brought them much gain. And so, with the loss of income, her masters decided that they were going to get Paul and Silas in trouble. And you read the text, they falsely accuse Paul and Silas with crimes against Rome. Paul and Silas then were beaten, the Bible says, with many stripes. And thrown into the inner prison. But how many of us know that prison on the outside can't erase peace on the inside? And the Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas sang and praised God from the prison. In response to their faith, the Bible says that the Lord sent an earthquake and busted that jail wide open. But what we find is that the earthquake didn't just shake the foundations of the jail. No, the earthquake shook the foundations of the jailer. You see, the jailer faced death if any of the prisoners escaped. And so he was ready to end it all. But that night, as we read, he and his household found help and found hope in Jesus. I'm going to tell you, as we consider this man's story, the beautiful thing is that this man and his family not only found help, not only found hope, they found a home. They found a place where they could belong in the family of God. He got saved. His family got saved. And they all got added to the family of God there at Philippi. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Do you remember our text from this morning? What was Paul going around doing? Verse number 5. He was going around uh, planting and building what? Acts 16 and verse 5. And so were the what? Churches. 
Churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. And so Paul, as he saw converts being saved, was establishing churches. Well, preacher, how do you know they got plugged into the church? Well, jump down to the end of the chapter, verse number 40 of Acts 16. And the Bible says this is after they were released from prison. They entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the what? When they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. So even before Paul and Silas left town, we find what? We find the church meeting at Lydia's house. No doubt this involved Lydia and her family. This involved the young lady that we read about who was demon-possessed. And no doubt as well, it involved the Philippian jailer and his family. You say, well, preacher, how do you know they really had this church thing going? Well, if you flip a few pages over in your Bible, you'll find a whole book called Philippians. Philippians 1.1 says this, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi. And I'm going to tell you what, you read the book of Philippians, what a marvelous book. What a marvelous book about God's joy and God's peace. What a marvelous book about striving together for the sake of the gospel. What a marvelous book about a church that was making a difference for God in the world. See, the Philippian jailer and his family, they found help, yes. They found hope. But praise God, they also found home. Church still matters. Amen? You know, I remind us this morning, church is God's idea for his people. You know, God created us needing community. You know, when God assessed man's condition in, in, in the book of Genesis, he looked at everything he had made and said it was very good. But then we find this assessment in Genesis 2, 18, that, that it is not good that man should be alone. Why? Because God created us to, to need other people. Amen? God created us with the need to share purpose. God created us with the need to belong to something greater than ourselves. And here's the thing. Being a real part of a local church family, you know what it does? It helps provide the reason we need for living. Because you see, what God does in this place and what God does through this body not only matters today, it matters forever. It matters forever. I get to invest my life in something that matters Forever. You see, being a real part of a local church family provides the reason, helps provide the reason we need for living. Being a real part of a local church family helps provide the relationships that we need as well. Like I said, we were created with the desire, hear me, not just to be where it's friendly, but to be where our friends are. Being a real part of a local church family also helps provide the resources that we need. As we uh, live in fellowship with one another, we find the love of Christ, we find light, we find help, we find hope. The New Testament is full of the one another's way we ought to help one another. Church still matters, amen? Church is not, church is not a value menu that you craft to your taste. 
I'll have one McDouble and uh, give me the four-piece chicken nugget. That's not what church is. It's not a value menu that you craft to your taste. Church is not a spiritual vitamin that you consume and walk away from. Church is not a spectator sport. Church is a spiritual family. It is the body of Christ where we are both built up and build up others. And the reality is you're going to get out of it what you put into it. As I look at the New Testament, I also find that God places a priority on being a part of a local church family that we often miss in our culture of hyper-individualism. You look at the words of Jesus in Matthew 16. Jesus committed to build His church. Amen? Jesus committed to work through His church that the gates of hell not prevail against it. You look in the book of Acts, it talks about how Jesus purchased the church with His blood. You consider the books of the New Testament. At least 20 of the 27 New Testament books, or about 75%, were written either directly to a church, were written about a church, were written by a pastor of a local church. God places a priority on being a living, vital, real part of a local church family that we often miss. Even consider the Apostle Paul. Before he went on his missionary journeys, you know what we found? We found that he was actually commissioned and sent by a local church, the church at Antioch, that he went around planting local churches, and then he went back to his local church to give report of what God has done. God places a priority on church. In fact, there is great clarity in this matter in Scripture. Hebrews 10 and verse number 25, that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And the problem is this, when we separate ourselves from our local church, you may disagree with me, and I don't mean to hurt you, but when we separate ourselves from our local church, here's the thing, we cannot grow and thrive spiritually to the fullest extent that God desires. I mean, the church is called a body. Think about it this way. What if I told you that I was playing with Brother John Pocock's saw the other day? He and Andy went to lunch, and I decided to play with the saw. And you know I get hurt a lot, right? So what if I told you I pulled a darl and lopped my finger off? But I said, don't worry, don't worry. That finger, that finger's doing great. It really is thriving. I mean, that finger's never been better. It just decided it didn't want to be with me anymore. You would say, you're an idiot. That finger's going to die. It needs to be a part of the body. And so you know what? I get a little concerned when, when, when Christians totally separate themselves completely from any and all local churches. I'll say it before. We're not the only God-honoring local church in town. I get it. God calls people different places. But, but here's the thing. I get concerned when believers say, you know what? I, you know what? There just are no good churches and God doesn't want me to be a part of You know what? I'm... Forgive me. That's about as silly as me trying to convince myself my locked off finger is doing just fine. Because the finger is meant to be a part of the body. We need to be anchored in a local church family. Can I go a little further? We need to be accountable to a local church family. Church still matters, amen. 
So many out there are looking for a place to belong. And hallelujah, we have found the home that the Lord that the world is looking for. His name is Jesus. Church, I know 2023 is done. Right? I know we're done with 2023. But praise God, church still matters. So here's what I'm asking for this morning. We're going to have a time of invitation. A time for us to respond to the message of God's word. And here's what I want to ask of everybody this morning. I want to ask you to pray for your church. Can we take some time this morning and just thank God for what he's given us? Can we take time this morning and and pray that, that God would see fit to allow this place and allow these people to be a place where people can find help, people can find hope, and people can find home. Can we pray? That God will give each of us love for our church. Pray that God would use each of us in this church. Church this morning. Can we take some time. And just thank God. For our church. Why? Because church still matters. Standing together this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And. Church, whether you come to an altar or kneel at your pew or stand where you're at, church, let's take this time this morning, each of us, let's seek God's face. Let's ask God to move. Let's ask God to work. Ask God to put a love in our hearts, a fire in our bones.